I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, it's never easy, but Pitt won a bowl game. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a new episode of Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill podcast. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. Uh, Happy New Year. It is uh, the end of 2019. 2020 begins uh, just uh, coming up, depending on when you're listening to this. And a lot of people excited to turn the page. Um, But for Pitt football, it was really important to finish out the year strong. And that's what they did. At least not weak. They, uh, it was not the best performance, but it could have been a disaster. They played in the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. Originally, they had the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl. Now it's the Quick Lane Bowl. Same thing, though. Plays the day after Christmas at Ford Field in Detroit. And uh, this year, before it was the ACC against the best team in the MAC. So when Pitt was there in 2013 when they won... It was against Bowling Green, who was the best team in the MAC that year. Now, it's not the best team in the MAC. It's just a team in the MAC. And uh, this year, it happened to be one of the worst teams in the MAC, Eastern Michigan. Now, it was jumbled. So there were some. It's tough to tell exactly who's the worst and all that. But Eastern Michigan finished 6 and 6 in the regular season. No one could accuse them of being particularly good. So it was a pretty good matchup for Pitt. I mean, the last episode of this podcast. I, I said that I thought it was a great spot for Pitt, even though it's not as glamorous as New York or even Annapolis. The matchup isn't exciting or sexy, but it's a chance for Pitt to win and to get that last that that's that uh, eighth win of the season, which they haven't been able to finish out strong in quite a long time. In fact, their last bowl win was 2013 in Detroit. They haven't been able to get a bowl win since then. Narduzzi has not been able to get a bowl win as a head coach. And so I thought this would be a good spot for Pitt. Now, again, it was not easy. It took a whole lot of doing. Took a comeback effort at the end. But the Panthers got the win. 34-30. to They beat Eastern Michigan. And ultimately, it was not so much a good performance as it just was not a disaster. Because if you lose that game to Eastern Michigan, it is a disaster. And you finish out the last three games of the year, all losses. But because they got the win, it doesn't really matter how attractive it was. They got the win. They got to 8-5. and five, And they head into next year with some momentum. And all the coaches' seats have cooled off a little bit. So let's talk about what happened in the game. First, starting with Kenny Pickett. He's sort of the start and end of every conversation when it comes to pit football. And he had a sneaky good game, very good game. There were times when he just didn't look like the guy, and he still might not be the guy. He still might just not be a quarterback that can propel Pitt to being a really great team. But when you look at how they did, how he did, 27 for 39, 361 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And, of course, at the very end, he was able to to lead the team down the field, and he had some uh, clutch plays in the final moments. So Kenny Pickett 
it's sort of an odd spot where things are, but basically he is he's a he's a legitimately good quarterback. And you can't ask for a ton more. Now, of course, if you're going to make it to that next level, if you really want a chance to compete for an ACC championship, not just slip in to the championship game, you need a great quarterback. And you can't be convinced that Kenny Pickett's there yet, but he had a good game in that bowl game. And most importantly, he came up clutch. And this is not the first time that he did it. He seems to come up clutch pretty constantly. And uh, and it's pretty amazing because that is very much against type for Pitt. That's something that... Um, that Pitt is just not known for. In fact, it's the other way around. Normally, Pitt will collapse late. Uh, but Kenny Pickett doesn't do that. Now, over the past two years, Kenny Pickett has gotten five wins when facing a fourth-quarter deficit, which is the most by any Pitt quarterback since Dave Havern in uh, the 1970-1971 seasons. And that stat, by the way, is from uh, E.J. Borghetti, the Pitt SID. That's pretty remarkable when you consider some of the quarterbacks that came through uh, with with the Panthers, so Kenny Pickett, he's not the best. Of course, this is Dan Marino didn't do that. Now they didn't really have to face uh, fourth quarter deficits necessarily. So you take everything with a grain of salt. But this is impressive, the fact that Kenny Pickett is able to come through in the clutch late in games. Of course, you'd probably prefer that they just don't get into that position in the first place. Totally understandable. But when they're there, he has been clutch. He's been able to come from behind. Again, five come-from-behind wins in the fourth quarter in the last two seasons. That's pretty remarkable. And so even though you don't like it, the fact that they get there, but when they're there, they can find ways to win. And so... Props to Kenny Pickett. I thought he had a, a sneaky, very good game. And, of course, late he was clutch, and that's uh, really important. Mark Whipple is offensive coordinator. Still mixed. Before that last drive, I think a lot of people were calling for his head. They they didn't want him to be the offensive coordinator next year, and they thought it was a bad game. And in a lot of ways, I agree. And then he'll just pull it out on that last drive. The recurring theme seems to be when they go to a hurry-up offense. And when they go with tempo, they can really get things figured out. Now, a lot of that is then you're trusting Kenny Pickett because you don't have the time for him to run to the sideline and get the play from Mark Whipple. You, it's, it's a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility on Kenny Pickett. But when that's happened, they've put him in a position to succeed. And that last drive in the game that Pitt absolutely needed to get the score, they were able to do it. They drove down the field. They got a touchdown, and it was really impressive. And so Mark Whipple, another mixed game, another up-and-down game. If this was his second or third year, I think there are some real considerations that you go for someone new. But just one year, I really don't see that there's any chance that Mark Whipple goes anywhere. I don't know if he's the guy. I'm not certain that he's not the guy as offensive coordinator, like I was with Sean Watson, the previous O.C., so I think right now you just have to clench your teeth and wait until uh, next year and see what happens. For Pat Narduzzi, it's going to be interesting because next year I think is the make-or-break year. But it certainly seems like he's going to make it or break it with Mark Whipple. And that's just how how things are. You hired him last year. you got to give him a chance for two years. And if you go down, you go down. But this is the guy that you put faith into. And so we'll see how he does in the second year. First year, definitely a mixed bag. I'm not going to say he was awful because I don't think he was. 
but there were some issues, and uh, we'll see how they how they look heading into next year. Around the other parts of the game, the offensive line is a problem. That's just a, a talent problem. You've got to hope that they get better next year, but Kenny Pickett still getting no time, still no running game to to hear of really at all. I think that's probably been the unit that has flown the most under the radar this year that's probably gotten the biggest pass just because people don't usually talk about an offensive line. But a lot of the problems, yeah, you talk about the quarterback position, you talk about the running back position, the offensive coordinator, a lot of the problems come down to the offensive line, not being able to establish the run and not being able to give Kenny Pickett time. And it was a problem all year long. It continued to be a problem in the bowl game. And we'll see moving forward, but that has to be a major point of emphasis heading into next year. And then the defense, which was a top 15 defense all season long, they were great. They didn't really show up. It was pretty surprising because just the way they played, it seemed like they didn't really want to be there. They weren't totally into it. And they, they just didn't seem to care as much as Eastern Michigan, who, you know, all their coaches were dressed like car mechanics for some reason. Like, they they really got up for this game. Now, part of that is because, for them, a win over an ACC team would be huge. Also, they were playing in a virtual home game, whereas Pitt had to travel. And also, again, when you're just a smaller program, you get up for a big game like this for a big opportunity. Whereas Pitt finished out the year with two regular season losses, things did not finish strongly for them, and this certainly was a letdown going to this bowl game. And so, on one hand, I can understand why they would be not so amped up for the game. I can understand starting out slow, but at a certain point, you have to step it up. Now, late they did, but it took them too long. And I, I, I'm not going to harp on it much because... It, to me, that this isn't something that I foresee going forward as being a problem. I think it was just a one-off. Um, I think getting your players up for a game has been a little bit of an issue for Narduzzi for some games, but then other games, they're ready to run through a brick wall. And I'm, I'm interested to see moving forward. But in this game in particular, the defense did not show up, and the offensive line had a lot of problems with uh, just with the talent, and that was the case all season long. But they got the win. And ultimately, again, it, it could have been a disaster if they lost that game, but it didn't happen. They got the win. It was their first bowl win since 2013, the first under Pat Narduzzi. It, it really was exceptionally important to win that game, and they found a way to do it. And ultimately, people aren't going to look back at it. And, I mean, most people didn't even watch the game. So that part of it doesn't really matter. And people aren't, even if they did watch it, most people, it's out of their minds already. Really, they're just going to look back and they're going to look at the record. And they're going to see the win. They're going to see eight wins on the season. And that's going to tell them what they need to know for most people. Now, if you're a Pitt fan or an analyst or you follow the program like we all do, you know what happened and you know how the, tra how the season transpired. But for a lot of people, they just look at the record. And the record's going to say, that that was a solid season. Now, we know that it wasn't better than solid because of how they finished, but based on the schedule, based on losing two of your best players, defensive players at the start of the season, that was a very solid season. Could have been a disaster late. It could have been better, certainly, but a solid season. Eight wins, including the bowl game, and they did what they had to do for 2019. 
Now let's look ahead to 2020. Next year, I talked about this in the last episode, but really, I'm not going to go through game by game, but I'll just say now, you're really talking about nine wins to feel really good about where Pat Narduzzi is and where this program is. If they get six wins or below, I think that's probably it for Pat Narduzzi, unfortunately. I think six wins or below, that's probably it. Then there's that middle zone where seven or eight wins, and then it's you got some tough questions to answer. Because at that point, then a lot of it comes down to how well they played in those games, what actually happened, are there any injuries at fault? I mean, again, all this could go out the window if Kenny Pickett gets hurt and you don't have a solid backup, then maybe, you know, so a lot of this is, is dependent. But I definitely think that uh, that it's pretty close to being six wins or less, and that's probably it for Pat Narduzzi. Nine wins plus, and he's a god, and he signs a massive extension, and, uh, you know, you could start putting him on billboards everywhere. If it's in between, we'll see. But to me, that's what it is, and again, that's regular season, so that wouldn't be counting the bowl game. This year, you had seven regular season wins. Next year, with better players, with one more year under Narduzzi, with one more year Kenny Pickett being a senior, with the defense, all that, with a better schedule, I think you've got to do better than just one extra win than this year. I think you've got to get two for things to really be in a great spot. If you finish with seven or eight wins, there are questions, and I don't really know what happens. Six wins or below, we'll see. But... They got some great news, the Panthers did, from the defensive line, and that they got full commitments to uh, to return from both Jalen Twyman and Patrick Jones. That's huge, because now you're talking about a defensive line, potentially starting next year, of Jalen Twyman, Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver coming back from injury, and Keyshawn Kemp. And if you've got those guys, that could be lethal. <laughs> That defensive line, because this year the defensive line was one of the best in the nation. They led the nation in sacks for much of the year. And now you're talking about bringing those guys back another year of practice, another year of experience. Of course, getting guys back from uh, from injury. That could be gigantic. This year alone, Twyman had ten and a half sacks. Patrick Jones had eight and a half sacks. And the fact that both of those guys are coming back is huge for Pat Narduzzi. It's huge for next year because everything seems to be falling in line. Paris Ford said that he's going to come back. We'll see if that's definite, but it looks like that's going to be the case. You've got a whole bunch of talent. You've got experience. Next year is the year to make a run. We'll see what happens. We'll see if the games are as dramatic next year as they were this year. I mean, Pitt played in nine one-score games this season. That's the first time they've ever done that. It's just incredible. And in those nine games, by the way, they went six and three. So not only did they play close games, which we're used to happening, maybe not this much, but we're used to seeing Pitt in close games, but they actually won them. They won six out of the nine. And that's really big for this program because that shows that they can win late, something that Pitt, again, is not known for doing. So we'll see if that happens next year. I know a lot of Pitt fans would want things to be more comfortable, to maybe have a blowout win here or there. But uh, we'll see moving forward to next year. I think for this year, things, uh, they finished about as well as they could based on 
how things seem to be going based on the last two regular season games and then how a lot of that Eastern Michigan game played out. I think you just get out of there, get out of the season with eight wins. You get out of Detroit with eight wins, and you just look ahead to next year. Again, people aren't really going to pay attention to the game. They're just going to see the record. You're going to see eight wins, and it puts Pitt in a great position for next season, but they have to capitalize. So we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit of basketball and then name a Panther of the Week. Stay with us right here on Unscripted. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Okay, we are back. So let's talk about Pitt basketball. Uh, this team has been dormant, so... Haven't missed much since the uh, last episode of Unscripted in terms of what they've been up to on the basketball court. Basically, they beat Northern Illinois. They beat Binghamton, both home games. Neither one particularly impressive. And uh, they've got Canisius coming up uh, tonight, if you're listening to this, on Monday the 30th. And then they head into the new year. So we'll really know more next week when we'll do an episode after the Wake Forest game. And so we'll really know more about this team then, because that game is going to be huge. It's a big test for Pitt. Wake Forest is one of the ACC teams that is certainly beatable. And hell, they've beaten Florida State, which didn't seem beatable. So Wake Forest should be a, a very interesting matchup to see where this team is. It's a good game. It should be a good game. It's a good matchup for Pitt, and uh, and it's a home game at the Peterson Event Center. So that'll be a huge one on January 4th at noon, and then we'll be talking about the, uh, the basketball game after that. Uh, as far as the rotation goes, it's starting to clear up. You know, with basketball... It's funny because you have such a small roster compared to other sports, and yet so much of it just seems to be unclear when you're observing a team. Who's this team got? Who are their go-tos? A lot of it doesn't really begin to take shape, especially for a team in the second year of a, of a new head coach under a rebuild, that whole thing. So no doubt about it, Xavier Johnson and Trey McGowan's are the main guys. We were expecting that going in. They had some stumbles, but they seem to have recovered. Those are the two main guys. Those are the ones that are really going to have to be the team leaders if this team is going to make a run at the NIT and if everything goes according to plan, the NCAA tournament somehow. Uh, but I think the most realistic thing would be the NIT. So those are your two best players, but they've got to play like it. Then you're talking about Justin Champagny, a freshman, who looks legit. He has played really well in some big games. He's also played very well against some weaker teams, but either way, he looks like a legit player. He looks like what Xavier Johnson and Trey McGowan's looked like last year. Looks like a guy who can be a legitimate starter in an ACC roster, can be a real uh, contributor to a team that wants to do big things. So Justin Champagne seems to be the real deal. And then you've got three guys who are very streaky. You've got Audis Tony, you've got Eric Hamilton, and you've got Ryan Murphy. Tony's had some really good games. He's also had games where he's looked lost. Hamilton, same sort of thing. I think you sort of need him uh, to, to really perform well. But then other games, he just sort of slips into the background. He has come on a little bit better as of late. 
but we'll see what happens. And then Ryan Murphy, the shooting. I mean, he started out the season lights out. He was incredible. And then lately, he's it just seems like he's lost it. And some games, he can come out bigger than others. Binghamton, he wasn't as bad as he had been the last few, but still definitely streaky. If you're a Pitt fan, you hope that he sort of regresses to the mean, it, meaning that at a certain point, you assume that he's going to sort of find his groove and maybe he won't be as good as he was at the start of the season, but he won't be as bad as he has been in some games. He'll he'll pretty much figure it out where he can be a reliable three and D sort of guy. He can hit some big shots from beyond the arc when he's open. He can sort of be your JJ Redick of this team with the chance of course to drive and maybe make a, a play. So that's really what I'm seeing from the team. Of course there are some other guys uh, who are going to be out there. Drumgool has been hurt for a lot of the season, so we really don't know what Pitt has in him. And again, there, there's still just a whole lot that we don't know yet. But this is starting to take shape a little bit, what this Pitt team's going to be. But it's still tough in the non-conference to tell. Really, after the Wake Forest game, we'll have a much better idea of what this team is and what they what they are against a team that they very well could beat and, and maybe should be if they want to achieve what they're hoping to achieve. Because for now, they've played ACC teams that are much better than them. And they've played non-conference teams that are much worse than them. And some of those games are closer than expected. Some are blowouts, either for Pitt or... We've seen it all over. But I think this Wake Forest game is really going to tell us a lot. And so uh, we'll, we'll see. It'll be a big game coming up uh, again on uh, Saturday, January 4th, and uh, the next week we'll be talking about it on the podcast. And then finally, before we go, I uh, have to mention Panther of the Week, and it doesn't seem like there's anybody who deserves it more this week than Randy Bates. Now, not for on-the-field stuff, because in fact, many weeks we could have given this to Randy Bates for coordinating a phenomenal, one of the best in the nation defenses all season long. They didn't really have it, in the bowl game, but we're not giving giving this award to him because of the bowl game. He's getting this award because of a great story that was in the Post Gazette, I believe, uh, on the day of the bowl game, and it uh, pretty much shocked everybody. Uh, but the story is that Randy Bates had cancer this season, and for the last ten months he has been fighting cancer, and he hasn't shared it. But he was able to beat it, and he is now cancer-free. He's now in remission, and of course, it'll be monitored going forward. But the fact that this is someone who was able to battle cancer all season long, people didn't know, and he was leading one of the best defenses in the nation, that's incredible. And what's even sort of more incredible is that Pat Narduzzi plays into this, and uh, Randy Bates is very thankful for Pat Narduzzi because Narduzzi makes his all his assistant coaches take a physical annually. And the physical that Randy Bates took, that was the thing that uh, where they were able to catch the cancer early on before it spread too much. And that's a large part of why he's been able to beat cancer and, and go into remission. And so it's really an incredible story of Pat Narduzzi wanting to, to have this as a to be able to help his assistant coaches by making them get physicals. And Randy Bates didn't even want to do it. And, and there's a good chance he would not have done it if he wasn't forced to do it, but he went and they were able to find it early. 
And because of that, he is in remission. He does not have cancer. And that's pretty incredible. And again, still incredible that he was fighting cancer without people knowing while being out there as an offensive coordinator. Just another amazing story. Of course, the story of James Conner looms large as a player who, if he didn't get injured uh, in a football-related injury, they might not have caught his uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma where they were able to catch his cancer then he was able to beat the cancer, come back, and have a dominant year in the ACC. So really incredible stories. Uh, ultimately, a lot of it comes down to getting checked up. If there's a moral for this, myself included, I think all of us need to make sure that we are going to the doctor, getting physicals, getting checked up to make sure that all this is caught early. Because when it's caught late, uh, then it can be really scary. But fortunately, for everyone involved, for Randy Bates, for his family, uh, they caught it early. He was able to fight it all the while being one of the top defensive coordinators in the nation, and now he is in remission. So Randy Bates, without a doubt, Panther of the Week. Really an incredible story. Hats off to, I believe it was um, uh, John McGonigal of the Post-Gazette, the Pitt football beat writer, uh, who who had the story. And it was really sort of a nice, heartwarming thing. And it's it's also nice that for Randy Bates, he did what he wanted to do, which is he still wanted to coach, and he didn't want to make it a, a big public story that he had cancer. He went, he beat it, and now we all know, now it's it's public knowledge, but now he's okay. And so it's always nice to hear this story and already have the epilogue, already know it's okay. He had cancer, but it's okay now. And so you don't have to, to go through the process of worrying, and people can just be thankful that he's all right. So uh, just an incredible year for Randy Bates. And uh, look, if he was able to do all that as a defensive coordinator, and that defense was able to accomplish what they did with him in cancer treatments, imagine what they can do next season if he is, uh, you know, in the facilities every single day and uh, and has got perfect health, as, of course, everyone's hoping he has. So we'll see next year. That's going to be the big theme moving forward. We'll see next year. For now, 2019 is a wrap. Uh, it was uh, an up-and-down year for Pitt Sports. We'll see moving forward how things go. But uh, 2020 should be the year for Pitt football. That should be the year they take a big step up. 2020 should also be a big year for Pitt basketball. We'll see what happens in the remainder of this season, but they could have a real chance at at proving, yeah, Jeff Capel is the guy. They can make the NIT. They could really uh, put themselves back on the map. And then, of course, moving forward into the next season, the beginning of the 2020-21 season, That'll be very interesting uh, to see how Pitt does because that could be their big year to step up and make it into the NCAA tournament. Of course, other sports, Pitt Volleyball is going to have another go at it in 2020. So we'll see. 2019, they had a great season, fell short at the end. But 2020, they'll have another chance. Pitt men's soccer, again, could be a huge season coming up in 2020 after a very good year in 2019. Women's soccer is uh, is really showing up big. Wrestling should still be big in 2020. Uh, baseball, we'll see what happens there. Really an exciting time for Pitt sports coming up in 2020. Everyone hoping is everyone's hoping that not just Pitt sports, but everything's better in 2020 than it was in 2019. So a lot to look forward to on the horizon. For now, for 2019, I want to thank you so much for listening all year long. It's been one of transition. We've, uh, we've switched to the SB Nation. Uh, podcast network still, of course, with Cardiac Hill, uh, but now in the broader scheme of SB Nation that Cardiac Hill is a part of, the podcast is part of that. So you can find this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe. That's absolutely a huge help. And uh, leave a review if you're feeling kind. Uh, again, thank you so much for listening. You can follow me 
on Twitter at Corey E. Cohen, C-O-R-E-Y-E-C-O-H-E-N. Thanks again so much for 2019. Let's look forward to 2020. I'll see you in the new year. Until next episode, I'm Corey Cohen, signing off from Unscripted, the Cardiac Hill Podcast.